Good evening, Newark family, and welcome back once again to our second night in this series on personal prayer. As you can see by my surroundings tonight, I am sitting on the floor hiding in my wife's walk-in closet because, at least in my house, this is one of the only places that we can find some quiet, at least some of the time. Hopefully your setup looks a little bit different than mine does. Wherever it is that you find time and space to pray, I hope it works for you. And as we get ready for tonight's message, let me just send out a couple quick reminders. If you're new to us and this is one of your first time watching, please come visit our church website where you can find all kinds of great information about our small groups and our activities. This month we've got a contest going on for Bible study. All of this information can be found on www.newarkupc.info. I encourage you to check out that website and see what it has to offer and see what information you can find about connecting with us. So, as we turn now, let's hear what Sister Leela has to share with us about personal prayer. Hey, mine's my closet door lock. Is somebody in there? See, it doesn't even work for me to get quiet here. Good evening, and thank you so much for joining us again tonight as we continue our series on personal prayer. Um, I hope that you've had a blessed Sunday so far, and uh, I have a story to share with you tonight that I hope will shed some light on uh, maybe an odd aspect of prayer that uh, perhaps you never even thought of before. Uh, but before I jump into my story about prayer, um, why don't we pray? Let's ask God to be with us tonight. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to gather together in your name. God, I ask that you would bless each and every person within the sound of my voice, oh God, that you would minister to their needs, that you would touch any of those who are hurting and um, sick, those who need comfort, God, that you would be with them, Lord. God, be with us tonight, Lord. Open our hearts and our minds to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to tell you a story that really goes you know, way back to me being a little kid. Uh, so I grew up in Washington, D.C., and I am the fifth of six children. Uh, for nine of those years, I was the baby. If you know anything about the baby of the family, you know that the baby's usually a brat, and I was definitely a brat. Um, my brother and I are a year apart, and you know we were definitely what most people consider partners in crime. Uh, so before we even started kindergarten, you know, it'd be the two of us home. My my siblings were older, and my mom was a stay-at-home mom, and you know she may be yakking on the phone or doing whatever she was doing, and the two of us were just into everything. I mean, we you know we sneak all kind of you know, food out of the refrigerator, you know, weird stuff like raw hot dogs. Like, who wants a raw hot dog? Um, anybody remember that little buddy lunch meat, the little, you know, little cheap packs of meat with, and, and, you know, we sneak, you know, we sneak lunch meat. Um, we do things like we eat my mother's diet candy. You know, there was a, a brand, some of you older folks might remember, it was called AIDS diet candy. And it would come in like chocolate and fudge squares or caramel, that kind of thing. And we'd climb up on the cabinet and, you know, she for some reason, she would hide it at the very top. Maybe she knew we were sneaking it. But, you know, we eat her diet candy. Uh, oh, gosh, nap time. Oh, my goodness. We hated nap time. And my mama sent us upstairs to take a nap. And, and oh, we do everything but nap. You know, we jumping across, you know, with twin beds. And we jump from one bed to another. And, and you know, usually one of us always ended up with some kind of injury. You know, we, we jump off the bed and, you know, miss the other bed. And falling, you know, my brother was, he was a character, you know, 
I, my, I be laying there with my head gashed open. Be quiet. You know, we're going to get in trouble. And, you know, my mom yells, says, you know, what's going on up there? And we, nothing. You know how kids do. Um, so I know that sounds like regular kid stuff. But my point in saying all that is that we were always into something. Um, and if you know anything about kids, the older you get, the worse things get. And so uh, as a little girl, and I do mean that a little girl, I'm talking before five. Um, I always had this keen awareness of God and the devil. Uh, we weren't particularly re religious folks. You know, we went to church. My grandma took us to church, you know, kind of often. My mom, not so much. Um, but, no, we counted ourselves Christian. So I knew of God. I knew things about God. So it wasn't like I was totally ignorant. But um, at that little, I don't know where I got that, that philosophy. I don't know where I got my thinking about God. But somewhere along the line, I had developed this thinking. That the devil was out to get me and God was out to punish me. And so you, you remember those cartoons where you had the, you know, one, fig, one figure on this shoulder, you know, was the devil and the, the other figure was some little angelic being who, you know, you were caught between good and evil. Well, that's, that's how I lived my life. And I, and I say that because really it was up until about 25 when I got saved that I lived like that. And so you know, from that very early age, I was... Uh, I thought that way. God was out to get me for all the things I did wrong. And the devil was the one who was causing me to do all the things that were wrong. And so on the outside, though, you'd never think that. On the outside, oh, I was happy-go-lucky. You know, I was just, oh, that cute little little. Everybody just thought I was the most adorable child. But whew, I was anything but. And so, of course, as life um, went on, as I got older, you know, we got into, you know, Lots of other crazy things. And, uh, you know, the city is full of opportunities for doing things that are wrong. And, and uh, you know, we, we were, you know, we, we'd be all over D.C., all, you know, just into all kind of things. So my point is, as my sin escalated, so did that sense of fear. And so I would find myself literally my entire childhood begging God not to let me reap what I sowed. And, you know, I just, I was in this constant, I guess you could say conversation with him. Uh, you know, no, not on my knees, hands folded, you know, praying in that sense, but in constant communication with God. But it was always in that one vein. Please don't let me reap what I sowed. And um, so as I became a, a teenager, uh, you know, I get into something and I go to church to make a deal. You know, my grandmother would be so proud of me. Look at my baby. She, you know, my baby want to go to church. I don't want to go to church to praise the Lord. I don't want to go to church because, you know, I, for any good reason. I wanted to go to church to beg God to get me out of some jam that I was potentially in. And that went on, you know, most of my teen years. Uh, and for some reason, and I don't really have an explanation for this. I have my ideas, but I don't have an explanation, explanation for this. But for some reason, when I would go, when I left, the weight would be lifted. You know, I, I would I would feel better. And that went on and on uh, until I would say maybe mid-20s. Uh, mid-20s, I upped the ante on sin, let me tell you that. Uh, I don't know about you, but Use it as those things in all of our lives that are um, 
there are things we don't cross. You know, even even as sinners, there's there's a there's a line you don't cross. You know, but 21, 22, man, I was crossing those lines. And I knew I was living foul. And I knew that God wasn't happy with me. And did he speak to me in an audible voice and let me know that? No. Did he talk to me and let me know that? I can't say so. But if you've spent any time with God, you know that God has a way of conveying uh, messages to us that are beyond words. He, he knows how to communicate with us. And so um, when I was 24, you know, life came crashing down. It, it, it just came to a pimple. And, uh, you know, I appreciate the story that Rachel shared a few weeks ago when she shared her story of, of having a miscarriage and how traumatic that was for her. Um, but in the, in the space of a week, literally a week, um, I was 24 at the time, I lost my grandmother, who I love dearly, obviously. Um, I had a miscarriage and I lost my job. And I had a really good job at Georgetown at the time. Like literally my world came crashing down. And I find myself more terrified than I think I'd ever been because this was it. In my mind, this was it. God was finally bringing down that wrath that he had held off all those years that, you know, I was at the point of no return. And so making a very long story short, I don't have that much time here. Um, I moved to Delaware and I moved to Delaware with my boyfriend, which I knew was, you know, a no, no as well. But if you know how sin is, it just keeps you in this, you know, crazy cycle. And I went to church. We moved here on a Wednesday and I couldn't wait to get to church on Sunday so that I can make another deal with God and get this guilt off of my back. And so I went around to a church on Market Street early Sunday morning. I mean, I had been waiting with bated breath to get to church to make a deal with God. So I get there early Sunday morning and so early that the choir is practicing. And I come in the back and, and I sit in the back and you know people notice me sitting there and they're practicing their song. So somebody yelled out, you know, the service doesn't start for another hour. You know, I, I'm in the back desperate. I, I'll wait, you know, I'm struggling. You know, I have waited to get here. I need to get this off of me. I am, you know, in a bad place. And so I sat there that morning. Service started. Service ended. And I felt no better than when I arrived that morning. That was a first. I was terrified. Because to me, this meant God was done. This is it. No more deals. You know, I'm, I'm not accepting that anymore. You're done. So when I left that church that morning, I didn't know if I could ever make things right with God. I, I didn't know if I, I would just, you know, forever be lost. So later that day, I visited my boyfriend's aunt's house for dinner. And I shared with her that I'd been to church. <clears throat> and she invited me to her church the following week. Me not knowing anything about denominations, uh, I grew up Baptist. Uh, she was inviting me to a Pentecostal church. You know, I just went, yeah, sure. <clears throat> so the following week, I visited Newark United Pentecostal Church. And there I met the
the God of mercy. Whew. Not the God of condemnation. Not the God who I had imagined was out to get me. I met the God of mercy. And my life began to change from that day forward. Now, I don't want to get off on that story. That's one for another day. Uh, but I said to you at the outset that I wanted to share this testimony in the vein of prayer. Because as I look back over that story, um, I was very much praying that little girl, if you will, who you know was just living in fear, who was just obviously responding to my circumstances. I was praying. When I was begging God, uh, that nonverbal communication that was coming from my heart, coming from my mind, I was praying. I was talking to God. You know, all those years as an adolescent teenager, when I would continue that practice, I was talking to God. And God was talking to me because somehow I knew that he wasn't happy with how I was living. The condemnation piece, nah, that came from the devil. But the the knowing, the, the, you know, he, he was, it was very clear to me what God was saying. And I don't know why when I, you know, became an older teenager and I would go to church to make the deals that he would allow me some relief when I would leave, but he did. Uh, it makes me think of that verse in Acts uh, 1730, where he says, at the times of his ignorance, God winked at, but now commendeth all men everywhere to repent. You know, there's a time in our lives where God gives us space because he's not out to get us. He gives us room to repent. He, he, he reaches for us. He pulls for us. He's working hard to rescue us, not get us. God is merciful. And so I'm also reminded of that story in Luke 18. And I, I, actually, I'll read it to you from Luke 18, 9. And it says, Then Jesus told the story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank God that I am not like other people, cheaters and sinners and adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of my income, you know, yada, yada, yada. You know, you get the point. Pretty pompous. But then we see the, the, the tax collector in verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh, God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. God very much hears the prayers of sinners. I know that some of us don't think that's the case, but if that's not the case, how did you and I get here? He hears our prayers. In fact, Psalms 51 says that he, a broken and contrite spirit, he will accept. That God hears us from that broken place and he pulls us. He wants to rescue us, not get us. So, so I'm talking about the prayer of mercy tonight. I'm talking about prayer that we would necessarily call prayer, that that communication we have with God, that communication that he has with us, meaning two-way. And, and don't put God in a box when it comes to prayer. God is not as formal as we think he is. God doesn't require all that. Just talk to God. If he can hear us when we ain't thinking about him, I'm just using my, I wasn't thinking about him in terms of pleasing him. I wasn't thinking about him in 
terms of wanting to be right with him. But when, but when I was begging him, he was hearing me as an outright sinner because I was practicing sin. I wasn't trying not to sin, if that makes any sense. You know, it wasn't help me do right. It would just help me not reap the consequences. But if he can hear us in that state, how much more can he hear us when we're being delivered towards him, when we want to please him, right? God's not trying to make it hard. So don't get all wrapped up in the formalities. You know, also think of another odd prayer that we might not think of. You know, if you recall the story of Paul uh, on the road to Damascus, uh, when, when God knocked him on his horse and, you know, he was faced literally with his creator and his response to God was, what would you have me to do? You wouldn't call that a prayer, would you? Maybe not on his face, but that was a prayer. So I'm just I'm just drawing your attention to some odd circumstances where prayer was definitely in effect. Let God out the box. Just communicate with him. Talk to him from your heart. And God has a way of getting through to each and every one of us. He wants us to be closer to him. So I'm going to get off here tonight. I think I've said enough about that. Um, I appreciate you all. And I uh, look forward to gathering again with you soon. And I myself learning some more about prayer as I tune in uh, to the other speakers this week. Thank you, and I'll, I'll see you soon. I'm going to end with prayer. Jesus, we thank you for this time together. God, we thank you, Lord, for reminding us of the simplicity of prayer. Us talking to you, you talking to us, uh, from our hearts, from our minds. Uh, yes, even with our words verbally, God. We thank you, Lord, for not making it hard. And God, we ask that you would be with each and every one of us, God, as we leave this place and that you would continue to reach for us, Lord. Um, help us to grow. Help us to connect with you, Lord. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. And we ask it all in your wonderful name. Amen. God bless you. And I look forward to seeing you guys on Tuesday night. Have a good night. Thank you, Sister Leela, for that message on prayer. As you can see from this setting, my closet doesn't exactly work as a prayer space either. But wherever it is in your own home that you find space and time to pray, I hope that this week it is blessed. Before you go, make sure that you come and visit our church website at newarkupc.info. On our church website, if you have not done so, you can join a small group. You can submit a prayer request and you can also partner with us in your giving. So I encourage you to go check that out. Also, make sure this week that you are connecting with us through the engagement ideas that are shared in these messages. This week, as you do your personal Bible reading, pray before you begin that God would illuminate the scriptures to you in a new way. And then sometime this week, I also encourage you to call a member of your own small group and pray a blessing over them. And real quick, as a final announcement, remember all throughout this month, we're encouraging everybody to read the proverb that's associated with the day of the week. And as you have time, again, on our church website, newarkupc.info, you can go click on the Bible Study Contest card. If you watch all four videos from our August 2019 Big Group Learning, after you watch the videos, you can submit the form to be entered at the end of the month for a raffle drawing for a $25 Amazon gift card. God bless you, and have a good night.